Drunk Dish contains adult language that may not be appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. shocking development (laughs) all right hello and welcome to drunk dish where three delicious dishes explore food history and get pickled in the process this is episode number seven fourth of july and americana america fuck yeah (laughs) i'm melissa i'm amy and i'm kate yay that's us that's three of us right yeah three of us and alvy kitten is here um So now that we've introduced ourselves, every episode we like to ask ourselves one food-related question. And this episode, we get our question from Kate. All right. Um, So I think uh, the question this week um, stemmed from some things that I was cooking this week. Um, So my question for you, ladies, is other than your KitchenAid stand mixer, which we have already discussed, is... Mm-hmm. the best thing on the planet when it comes to kitchen stuff. Um, other than your KitchenAid stand mixer, what is your favorite kitchen gadget? Um, mine is, uh, it came about because I realized that as I was cutting up apples today, I don't have one of those cool apple things. Oh my God, those things are fucking Yeah, amazing. and I don't have one. How do I not have one of these things? I have no idea. So um, I had to put it on my list. Um, my gadget is my Parmesan cheese grater. Um, it's the thing that like, if you go to the restaurant and it's a nice, Italian restaurant and they Mm -hmm. have block Parmesan cheese um, and they're like oh yeah and they're like oh do you want cheese on that you know they put the block in and they twist your little turn and the cheese comes out and it's fresh and delicious and delicious I don't know how and amazing (laughs) Um, so a couple of years ago my sister and my mom uh, found one of these um, and got it for me and it's probably the thing in my kitchen that has gotten the most use um out of any gadget or anything it is amazing and i love it and i also um i have a second one that i only use for garlic and it actually works great that sounds awesome on garlic cloves it's so it's it's like a spinny one yeah so it's like basically it's got a little uh, it's kind of like a garlic press where you know a garlic press has its little um, know, hooky, you know, pull out doodads. The press part. The press part, and you squish it. This is just a twisty. Um, has a has a handle mm-hmm. and a spinny grate uh, grater like this, and you put the block cheese in it, and you twist it, and it comes out as fresh parm or mozzarella. Uh, not mozzarella, but. It needs to be a hard cheese. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say mozzarella no, would be a real no, weird one. Or, <laughs> smush. Yeah. Yeah. Romano or Asiago, any of those things where it's cool. amazing. Yes. Oh, huh. so mm-hmm. I'm going to go because that kind of is in line with mine because you talked about a garlic thingy. So mm-hmm. ours is our, our garlic press. And then also we have this um, little piece of rubber that 
like you just put the garlic clove in it. Does that really work? Yeah. Greg uses it for like every dinner and you just put the garlic clove in it and it like, it like, yeah. And it like de-skins it. Yeah. And you just pop that baby in the garlic press. Boom. You got like garlic paste. It's amazing. two videos going viral on Twitter right now. One of which is someone um, peeling a shrimp with a fork. And then the other one is someone peeling garlic with a fork. And it's like how you're supposed to, one of those, like how you're supposed to actually do it things. And I'm just watching it and I'm like, I can't, there's no way I can do that. Mm -mm. Like there is some sort of magic Magic. happening. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. I don't know. But the, I I wanted a garlic press for a really long time. Is your garlic press anything? Is it like fancy? Uh, no, it's just, just like, like a like good a grip, yeah. like good grips. Mm-hmm. You know, rubber handle, metal, squishy Crush. thing. Yeah. The only thing I could say about, and I don't know if this is like other brands are better, is that you do get a lot of garlic that gets unsmushed. Yeah. So yeah. then you gotta like dig it out, and then you like I put it back in the press, and then like press it again Mm -hmm. um but there's i feel like there's a fair amount of waste Mm. waste with it Mm -hmm. okay that's a good answer though yeah um for me i have two answers i have a nostalgic answer and then like a practical answer okay Mm -hmm. so growing up my family was too poor to have a kitchenaid stand mixer okay um i have one now and i love it and i use it Anytime I'm baking or cooking, pretty much. But um, instead, we had what my mom called a hand blender. And I don't know if that's, like, the official name. It wasn't... No, it wasn't, like, one of those egg beater things, no, which okay. is what uh, Kate was just mine. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, but, it, no, not... it was, like, this thing from the 70s that looked like a very large vibrator, <laughs> but with a blade at the end. Oh, yeah, yeah, like an immersion, an immersion yes, blender. Yes, an immersion blender. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. I think that's the official name mm-hmm, for them, yeah. Mm-hmm. So an immersion blender. Like, that was my lifeline as a child who wanted to learn how to cook and bake. Yeah. Like, I used that all the time. So we used to use one of those, I think. Sidebar real quick. <laughs> Sound sidebar. Sound sidebar. I couldn't figure out. I couldn't figure out why you were so fucking loud. Oh, no. And Amy was so quiet and echoey. Uh-oh. So I kept turning you down and turning Amy up. But, like, it turns out that I don't know how to count in order. And I was turning Amy down and turning Kate up. <laughs> Thanks, Melissa. Which explains so much. Oh. So I'm so sorry. It's learning. And it's I was not day. paying attention for any of that because I was, like, freaking out <laughs> over the sound. That's great. But I've got it figured out now. Yay. And now I know why it sounds like someone else's mic was picking up Amy. Because I had turned Amy's mic almost all the way down. <laughs> Fun. <laughs> can, and I was probably really loud. Should I you were it? very loud. Or can, can you hear it? You'll be able to hear it. It'll okay. just not sound great. Great. Thanks, Melissa. I love I'm you, so, too. I'm sorry. <laughs> sound sidebar over. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think we used to use, um, an immersion blender for... See, even the miming you're yes, doing the hand string looks very phallic. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah it's that's... like a shake wake. There's only one way to do it. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Um, did you use it for, like, ma- making mashed potatoes? Do you I, know? Literally fucking everything. Yeah. Like, yeah. mashed potatoes, pancake mix, like, I'm, cake batter, everything. I'm pretty sure that... So, do you guys know what a Foley food mill is? Nah. Okay, so speaking of nostalgic gadgets, a Foley food mill is sort of, it's like a, looks like a pot, like a saucepan, Mm -hmm. but the bottom of it is a grate, Um, 
and it's got a roundy thing in the middle and a blade. And Again with those hand gestures, yeah. Kate. I know, it's really... I don't think this, this is a video. It could be x-rated. This is an audio medium. Okay, so a roundy thing. Uh, that's the technical term. Um, and in the bottom of the... Of, I'm trying not to use my hands. In the bottom <laughs> of the pot um, is a blade. And the blade sort of pushes the food through the grate. So... Mm-hmm. We would use it for making applesauce or mm-hmm. making um, tomato sauce. Like any time, anytime you're gonna use, like you'd want the pulp and stuff. Um, that's so it's kind it's of it's like an old school food processor. Exactly. Oh, yeah, cool. it's yeah. just hand, right? Yes. Hand. Yeah. Instead hand of crank. being electric. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So okay. So that's your. So that's the nostalgic the salt, part. Of yes. Thing. And mm-hmm. then the like new appliance or kitchen gadget that I can't live without is my air fryer, which Melissa and I have talked about. Oh shit! A I lot have, of I, Yeah, I haven't had had the air fry experience. It's we so, have, and it was terrible, but. I think we talked about this before. Yeah, I bought a compact one for Greg for his birthday last year because he hates unitaskers and he hates like big bulky things, but he wanted an air fryer. So I bought him one and it was terrible. And I think ultimately it was because it was way too small. Yeah. So like air fried, like frozen, like it's really amazing for um, some things that you can make from scratch, but a lot of like things that you would traditionally like heat up in the oven. Yeah. So like for... Um, like frozen French fries or tater tots, mm-hmm. like they come out so light and crispy yeah. and delicious. Like it, they taste like fast food fries in the air fryer, but they're ultimately much healthier. And then like heating up stuff too. Like I did like roasted like those mini potatoes, like roasted mini potatoes mm-hmm. on the grill a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, and then I heated them up in the air fryer for breakfast, so they were like home fries. Nice, and they were so yummy. All right, now but I can also do like donuts in it. Like I've oh. done like donuts and cronuts in my air fryer. I've done homemade mozzarella sticks. Yeah, cronuts. Um, I've done lots of stuff in my air fryer. Like I, it's probably my u- most used appliance and it's probably my, cause I love my parents, my mother's most hated appliance. Cause it takes up a lot of room on the counter Yeah, and it's kind of a process to clean, but it, it, like, it's amazing too. Cause then I can dedicate the oven to other stuff mm, mm-hmm. and I don't like when I was a kid, we had a, what was the brand name was fry. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 yeah, yeah and yeah. it was like, we would fry stuff in it and then we would, because again, we were really broke growing up so we would then save the oil yep. in mm-hmm. in the fridge for weeks that's not but i don't think that's a broke thing you can use oil multiple times when yes. when greg and i made donuts we we saved that oil after we'll only use it um generally twice mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. but like we'll save the oil like there's no reason yeah we had a fry daddy was mm-hmm. the brand that we had. oh yeah i think that's what we had yeah and I always thought it was terrifying. Um, yeah, it's like I, I that don't fry anything. Development, where like I can't remember what that thing. The cornholer. The cornholer. That's a little. That's a little cornhole, son. Yes. Yeah. Or they burn themselves on it every. Yeah. Oh, that's one yeah, of my favorite time. bits. Yeah. Every damn time. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's terrifying. And yeah. I, and we. And the problem for and it was the same thing for us. I, I don't know if it was a. Um, money thing or if it was just a parents who had parents who grew up during the depression so everybody thinks so yeah you know yeah. saved um yeah. but it was all like inevitably the old oil smelled like like fried fish and it's like yeah. what no yeah. why did oh. we save this if we cooked fish in it like 
Yeah. Or oysters or, you know, clams or something like that. Yeah, Why? No, that can't be. No, don't. You can't do no. that. Mm-mm. Oh, call back to the earlier episode where you talked about the, was it Dunkin's or McDonald's with the fry oil that they were saving? And it I ate through, and it ate through the barrels, and it leaked into oh, your yeah, store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. McDonald's, yeah. disgusting. Yeah, yeah. we Bad don't need times. to revisit, but bad times. So yeah. yeah, I those are those are really good. Those are really I, I recommend. I'm I'm definitely interested in the in the air fryer, um, and I recommend this cheese grater thing to anyone nice. who. Yeah, I want one of those anyone too. who ever uses. Lots of luck. I mean, yeah, if you go to any restaurant where they offer you cheese and then Mm -hmm. they come over and they've got the little, yeah, little grater Mm -hmm. thing and it's just these perfect little like curls. Yeah, it's glorious. Delicious Mm -hmm. cheese. Absolutely. So, Melissa, Mm -hmm. are we drinking something today? We might be. Oh. We might already be drinking. Mm. <laughs> but also we're going to be drinking it, uh, something else. So I'm mixing it up a little bit because usually I say what we're drinking and then I go into the history of it and then we drink the drink. But I'm kind of splitting it. Um, so we're talking about the specific liquor that I'm making a drink with. Then I will make the drink and give a very brief kind of history of the actual drink that we're making. Okay. So we're doing Fourth of July in Americana, right? Mm-hmm. So I really wanted something that was, like, truly American. Like, what fucking alcohol? Like, everything's been done. Everything's been made before. So this technically has been made before, but in order to be called what it is, it has to be made in America. So we're talking bourbon whiskey. Oh. Um, so I'll go into the history of bourbon and then, and then we'll take a little break and then we'll talk about the drink that I'm going to make you guys because I'm not going to make you just drink, like straight bourbon thank you um although i have a bunch of different whiskeys i have two bourbon whiskeys and um reg just straight whiskey and i think it would be funny to be do a taste test but we won't do that on the it's just going to be a lot of me going Bleh. have you ever had good bourbon or whiskey yes somebody okay. got me like a 30 dollar shot of a 30 dollar shot yes of whiskey once when i was at a writing <gasps> residency what the fuck and it tasted like what i would imagine smoke to taste like it was real gross and he's like no that's the point yeah so well okay so we'll we'll get into that a little bit now i do have to say my history with whiskey is pretty new um because my only experience with whiskey growing up it was southern comfort yeah and and southern comfort is not whiskey Mm. no if if you look at the bottle it actually yes you are very shocked (laughs) it actually says whiskey flavored liqueur Barf. Oh. And it tastes like cough syrup. Yeah. But yeah. my mom used to drink SoCo like all the time when I was a kid and it was disgusting. So I was like, whiskey's gross. Um, tried a couple throughout the years and I was just like, well, this isn't as bad as Southern Comfort, but like, it's still not great. And then I went to Ireland. Ireland. <laughs> Ireland. Um, where like literally everywhere you go, you drink whiskey. And I had Irish coffee for the first time, which is um, a shot of whiskey, um, pretty strongly brewed black coffee and then a lightly sweetened whipped cream on Mm -hmm. top and you sip it through the whipped cream Mm -hmm. and it was fucking amazing and I was forever changed and now I love bourbon and whiskey Um, but it's very complicated (laughs) what the (laughs) difference between straight bourbon and whiskey is and then you've got 
a whole bunch of other things. But anyways, so bourbon um, specifically is an American whiskey. It's made from corn and a mixture of cereal grains like rye or barley. Um, there is There was some legislation a couple years ago to include new grains in that list of what could be mixed with the corn, which includes stuff like amaranth and like quinoa, all those like new trendy huh. ancient grains. I don't know if that went anywhere because I went into a rabbit hole on a whole other thing and I did not have time to research (laughs) the ancient grains thing. Um, So it gets its unique color due to being aged in charred oak casks or barrels. Um, Bourbon tends to be a bit sweeter than whiskey because of its requirement to be made from 51% corn. So you get that sweetness from the corn. Um, Good bourbons are generally smooth with notes of spice, caramel, and vanilla. High rye content bourbons will have more spice while higher corn, 60 to 70% corn mash, which we'll get into what corn mash is and all that, will be sweeter. And then there are also weeders, um, which are bourbons um, where wheat replaces the rye or barley in the mash and are softer and a little bit sweeter. So there's like a lot of variation amongst bourbons it's insane bourbon and whiskey man that was a rabbit hole so yeah i like um i am completely clueless when it comes to the difference between scotch whiskey and bourbon because i feel like a lot of the times those words are both hyphenated together yeah mix them up like it's like a yahtzee game yeah which are you having (laughs) right so two of the three yeah so bourbon is always bourbon whiskey okay so it's like a type of whiskey and scotch is always scotch whiskey so it's essentially now i'm probably i am not a whiskey expert i'm still figuring this shit out so just to Mm -hmm. just to be clear (laughs) i am not an expert and i might get some of this wrong but essentially it's all whiskey so it's like the raven crow thing Right. And I can never remember which way it goes. All crows or ravens or all all ravens or crows. Mm, I think I, it's all crows, crows or ravens. Yeah, I think that's right. But not but ravens aren't crows. So it's kinda like that. So like ravens are whiskey. Like cats are mammals and dogs are mammals, but sure, cats right. and dogs aren't are different. Yeah. yeah. So um <laughs> bourbon um can only be made in America, which we'll kinda get into, and it has to be made from fifty one percent corn in order to be bourbon. Um Again, I didn't like do a deep dive into whiskey because that's like we'll probably do that in another episode, (laughs) but it does not have those requirements and it can be made pretty much anywhere in the world. There's um, actually Japan has started putting out some really good whiskeys. Um, I just said whiskeys. I know. I know. I was thinking of Rice Krispies. Weiss (laughs) Which now that sounds delicious. Oh no, that sounds a little racist. Like no, a whiskey. No, I know, but like not rice crispy. Uh, sure, <laughs> but you don't like whiskey. Yeah, but I like marshmallows. But any, but anyways, <laughs> Japan's coming out with some pretty good whiskeys using their own techniques and their own kind of local grains and stuff. Um, and then Scotch is whiskey, but it has to be made in Scotland, mm-hmm. and they of course have their own. Things. So we're going to talk about um, what makes bourbon bourbon. We're not really going to get into whiskey and scotch because, again, 
that's a rabbit hole that I started to go down. And then I had to delete like an entire page of notes because well, I was there. like, this has nothing to do with what we're talking <laughs> about. Um, so one of the things to point out is that bourbon obviously has really strong ties to the South, especially Kentucky, but it can be made anywhere in the United oh, States, okay. Okay. Um, which is cool because the my two favorite bourbons, to be fair, I haven't tried very many, um, are both from New Hampshire distilleries. And the one we're going to be drinking tonight is from a New Hampshire distillery. Nice. Um, so how is it made? <laughs> so a mix of cereal grain. So we talked about this before, um, usually rye or, or barley and sometimes wheat. And they're talking about adding an amaranth or quinoa or what have you. And at least 51% corn is mixed with water. And this is what is called a mash. So that's the mash bill. So like all that stuff smashed together is the mash bill. Okay. Um, mash from previous batches is often added in for consistency across batches, which creates a sour mash. So oh. like brewing a batch and then taking the remnants from that batch and introducing it into another batch mm-hmm. is a sour is a sour mash. mash. So it's yep. not actually sour. It's just what right. it's called. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, it might be sour. I don't mm-hmm. actually know. Um, and then yeast is added and the mash is fermented, much like any other alcohol or spirit. Um, and then it's distilled in either a pot still or a continuous still. Do you guys know anything about stills? Nope. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> Educate me. I don't know that much about I it either. I thought for sure you were going to go with moonshine for all this. So. That kind of comes up. Okay. But only briefly. Again, another rabbit hole I started to go down and went, delete those notes. <laughs> um, so pot stills are traditionally made from copper and come in a range of shapes and sizes and work on a batch distillation basis. So a pot still at its simplest consists of a large kettle or pot, which is heated from the bottom, boiling off the alcohol and allowing the vapors to be sent to a condenser and separated. Um, so essentially you have like this big vat, right? And it's over a heating element. The mash is at the bottom of this big vat. It heats it up. The mm-hmm. vapor goes up through like a tube that goes down into another container. And that's where kind of all the other like stuff is separated. Um, it's a bit more complicated than that, but that's like the really like basic. And I did put pictures of both pot stills and continuous stills in the drive. So you guys can kind of see what I'm talking Let about. Cool those up. <laughs> Um, Now, a column still consists of two columns side by side and are less expensive than pot stills. Um, With column distillation, the mash enters near the top of the still instead of the bottom and begins flowing downward. Uh, This brings it closer to the heating source, and once it's heated enough to evaporate, the vapor rises up through a series of partitions known as plates or stripping plates. At each plate along the way, the vapor ends up leaving behind some of its heavier compounds. So from what I could find, most bourbon is made um, in pot stills, which are like these big copper ones, which I also put in the drive so you could kind of see what those look like. They're really pretty and shiny and nice. Um, So some of the rules about bourbon. So bourbon um, sold in the United States must be made in America and be made um, from at least 51% corn, aged in new charred oak containers or barreled and distilled to no more than 80 ABV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are cool. <laughs> Sorry, I'm showing Kate the picture. No, 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 no. Like, that's look fine. Like Hershey's kisses. They, they do. Look like Hershey's like big kisses. Hershey's My God, I'm sweating in my knee pit so bad. Oh, and here's a diagram too. Yeah, so that's the Science. pot stills. Science. Science. Science, and we'll put we'll put those on the blog so you'll be able yeah. to take a look. Um, so it's distilled to no more than 80 ABV and bottles at 80 proof, which is about 62 and a half percent ABV or more. 
Uh, Bourbon's legal definition varies somewhat from country to country, but many trade agreements require the name bourbon be reserved for products made in the United States. So like there's a chance you could find a bourbon outside of the United States that wasn't made in the United States, but like technically it's not actually a bourbon. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's probably in a country where they can get away with not really caring about trade agreements or any of that other stuff. Um, U.S. regulations for labeling and advertising bourbon apply only to products made for consumption within the United States. Um, They do not apply to distilled spirits made for export. Canadian law requires products labeled bourbon to be made in the United States and also to conform to the requirements that apply within the United States. But the like, Canadians are so nice. I know. It's just um, like you gotta follow the rules that the Americans. Yeah, that's yeah. their rule. Yeah, <laughs> that's their one rule. Do what the Americans say. Yeah. That's not true. They have uh, universal health care. Um, do what the Queen says too. Probably that's true. Um, but <laughs> like I just said, in countries other than the United States and Canada, products labeled bourbon may not adhere to the same standards. So, for example, in the European Union, products labeled as bourbon are not required to conform to all the regulations that apply within the United States, although they still must be made in the United States. So what I take that to mean is like a United States producer could produce a bourbon that technically wasn't a bourbon because say it was like 49% corn instead of 51% corn. So in the United States, they wouldn't be able to market that as bourbon, but they could in the EU, which I don't know if that includes England anymore off-market bourbon yeah. brands there are where it's just like these shady like back home backwoods dis- bourbon yeah distilleries <laughs> that don't meet the requirements but they're like we're gonna sell it to all the europeans right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> so basically just like buy your bourbon in america um that's very privileged and elitist of me to say <laughs> um So bourbon that meets the above requirements and has also been aged for a minimum of two years and does not have added flavor, uh, coloring, flavoring, or other spirits may be, but is not required to be called straight bourbon. So if it's straight bourbon, it means that it meets all the requirements. It's more than two years old um, and it doesn't have like any bullshit added back in. Um, Bourbon that is labeled blended or as a blend may contain added coloring, flavoring, and other spirits such as an unaged neutral grain spirit, but at least uh, 51% of the product must be straight bourbon. Okay. Um, but blended can also just mean that it's a it's taken from a bunch of different batches and then oh, made okay. into one. Oh, okay. Um, like one of the bourbons that I have is a blended bourbon, but it's small batch. So it's like they just took little bits from like a bunch of batches. I don't think it necessarily has like added stuff in it. Um, And then a little more rare is bourbon labeled bottled in bond, um, which complies with the 1897 bottled in bond act, uh, which we'll talk a little bit about, but basically the U.S. government's way of guaranteeing purity at a time when practices were less than scrupulous. Scrupulous? Scrupulous. <laughs> Less than honest or good. Um, requiring the <laughs> bourbon to be a product of one distillery in one distilling season, aged in U.S. supervised warehouses for at least four years. So now we're going to get into some history. Does anybody need to take a break? <laughs> no. no. Okay. I got a little bit of a timeline for you. Oh, boy. Okay. So, bourbon in America. So, all the way back in 7000 BC. Jesus. Whoa. That's, that's further back than I think we've ever traveled. We only hang out here for a very short time. Okay. Uh, Native Americans domesticated a wild Mexican grass called teosinte. They ultimately transformed this weed into maize and then into what we know as corn, the primary ingredient in bourbon and the main source of food that would fuel the United States. 
European colonists quickly adopted corn agriculture from the Native Americans and spread it throughout the continent and eventually the world. Mm. So part of the reason why bourbon is so distinctly American is because it's made with corn. Now, I mean, this is a little bit disingenuous because, like, it was a Mexican wild grass that they then turned into maize that then turned into modern corn, but it was on the American continent. So, we'll I say mean, American. Yeah. The, we, I mean, we'll get into it a little bit later, too, but, like, all of our... There's no such thing as truly American things. Like, that's right. probably the most American thing we're going to talk about. Good. Because Americana, it, it, we killed them all. Yeah, because at least like <laughs> that actually has indigenous people from this country like cultivating it. Right. In the beginning. Yes. So from 7000 BC, we go way, way into the future to 1776. 1776. 1776. I want to break out into a Hamilton I was just going to say. Oh, I fucking I knew fucking that was coming. Yeah. Guys, I read so much about Hamilton. I went into a rabbit hole about the Whiskey Rebellion. And then I was like, this is a bourbon episode, not a whiskey episode. I need to, and then I deleted like three pages of notes. It was a whole thing. I didn't delete them. I saved them in a separate document because I'm sure we'll do whiskey at some yes. point. But really, um, how does a bastard orphan son of a whore in Scotsman? You're whispering, and also I don't know because I haven't seen Hamilton. <laughs> you don't have to see her, Hamilton. You have to listen. I we had this conversation. You have to listen to Hamilton. <laughs> I, I pre-warned you guys that this was going to break out that Hamilton yes. was happening tonight. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> I also like I, it's... for fuck's sake, <laughs> Hamilton sidebar. <laughs> At least it's tangentially related. It is Close. very related. Yeah. And it is an American treasure. Okay. That musical. It's wonderful. Mm. What's his name? Lynn Manuel. Lynn Manuel. Miranda. Miranda. He's in that new Lynn Compass show. He's in everything right now. He's real hot. He's my boyfriend. With James McAvoy. Anyways, moving He's on. The new Mary Poppins. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> So in 1776, while at war with the British, sugar trade is hindered, which halts the production of rum. Right? Sorry, Kate, I were just mouthing the, the oh, words. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> to a Hamilton song to each other. You fucking bitches, I swear to God. <laughs> I have a lot to get through. Continue, Melissa. I'm sorry. I love you women so much, and I, I call you bitches with... Um, warmth it's a and love. That's internalized misogyny, and I don't like it. It's just silence right now. <laughs> I'm like, oh, everything we do is internalized misogyny. Fuck the patriarchy. Okay, so again. We're in 1776. We got a long way to go. We're at war with the British and sugar trade is hindered. So no more rum. And like at this time, the colonists were like fucking living it up, drinking rum. That was like their thing. So then Americans start to distill native grains like rye and corn to make alcohol. They're smart. They're resourceful. Yes. So now we move to 1792. Kentucky becomes the 15th state in the Union, and more Americans move into the Ohio. I said it says Ohio River Valley, <laughs> um, Ohio River Valley region. This area is particularly good at growing corn and becomes the epicenter of bourbon production. Hmm. The, now this is where I really like went fucking nuts and had to like move all my notes over. So it's just like a one line thing. The Whiskey Rebellion breaks out in 1794 when distillers in western Pennsylvania resist payment of the whiskey tax being imposed by the newly sovereign federal government. George Washington sends in troops to suppress the uprising. 
that shit is fucking nuts and we'll definitely talk about it in another episode because that might be a good thing to talk about in our washington because we have an episode planned for washington and um, yeah 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 washington yeah. kate yeah 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 so it's real mm-hmm. interesting um then so after that happens thomas jefferson i don't have a date for it what am i doing with my life oh my god thomas jefferson's at some point I don't He's know the when. Second president, so it's um, not that far off. Who yeah. famously hated whiskey? He's a third president. Yes, you're right. Because John Adams. Sorry, John Adams. <laughs> you were short and nobody liked you. <laughs> you were short and nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Fail. John Adams is one of the ones I remember. He can't be that I mean, bad. But that's probably because well, he's like, number two. You guys are. I didn't remember he was number two. You guys are so good at presidents. <laughs> it's Hamilton. Is it? Is that why? (laughs) That's why I don't know about presidents, because I've never seen Hamilton? Yes. It wasn't school. It wasn't schooling that taught you about the president. It's not school's job to teach you about American history. It's Broadway. (laughs) It's it's clearly Broadway. All right. Um, A president sidebar over. So Thomas Jefferson, who famously hated whiskey... Gets uh, he probably like bougie <laughs> shit like champagne, wine, French things. Only. Yeah, French uh, he things. was into wine. Yeah, I don't have that written down, but I remember reading he had an affinity for red wine. I think yeah. he also smoked a lot of weed. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, he gets rid of the hated whiskey tax, um, which squashes the moonshine market and promotes innovation in the field. So basically, the the moonshine market oh. was blossoming because of this tax. And then Thomas Jefferson comes in and gets rid of it. And they're like, there's no reason for us to make moonshine anymore because, like, we can just make actual whiskey. Um, oh, my God. What did I do? Okay. So now I go into a little bit. I jumped. I'm all I'm all over the place here. I jump into where the name came from. Um, That's fine. It's out of place in my notes. But fine. whatever. We're going to go with it. Yeah. Um, so the name comes from the French Bourbon Dynasty. Um, but its exact origins are unknown. That's a whole nother rabbit hole I went down mm-hmm. with the front because they're like all the way from like fucking 1200 to like we should do an episode the, to the 1900s yeah. and I couldn't I just couldn't bougie rich family they I, it wasn't even an actual family it's like all these like arms coming off of it and like they were in Spain and France and Italy and like I don't even know but anyways Another episode. Another episode. Um, But its exact origins are unknown. So theories for the namesake include Bourbon County in Kentucky Kentucky, and Bourbon Street in New Orleans. Um, Mm -hmm. The name is thought to have... Oh, so that's like a witch came for... That's like a chicken and the the egg? Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about it a little bit. So both of those places are named after the Bourbon Dynasty, which is why we know that that's where it comes from. Because both Bourbon County and Bourbon Street are named after that, like, French whatever bullshit. Um, French whatever bullshit. (laughs) The name is thought to have come about sometime around 1821 when the first known advertisement using the word bourbon to describe whiskey appears in Kentucky's Western Citizen newspaper. The advertisement was from a firm called Stout and Adams, which, like... What a fucking good name to be it's like a beer company. Right. Yeah. I mean, stout is a type of beer. And then you have Sam Adams. Like, what the fuck is happening? Um, and they were <laughs> advertising bourbon whiskey for sale by the barrel. Um, so one of the Just people like that mm-hmm. they think might have pioneered. But I mean, everything's like with liquor always seems to be like, well, maybe this one person did this one thing. But like 
we kind of think that this person did this other thing and whatever. So Elijah Craig, which I actually saw bourbon at the liquor store today. That's Elijah Craig bourbon. Oh. Um, a Baptist minister is said to have been the first to age the product in charred oak casks, which gives bourbon its color and distinctive taste. He is also credited with a bunch of other Kentucky uh, inventions, which I didn't give a shit to go into. Um, <laughs> this is widely circulated as the truth, but a lot of experts call this theory doubtful. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find mm-hmm. why they think it's doubtful. They just were like, well, like, why would a Baptist minister? They were like, I don't think so. <laughs> and then like everybody was just like, okay. Um, and another story has Jacob Spears of Bourbon County um, as being credited as the first to give his distilled corn alcohol the name bourbon. So, like, essentially no one fucking knows. Um, there's no single inventor of bourbon, um, essentially because any grain can be used to make whiskey, and the practice of charring barrels to add flavor had been used in Europe for centuries. So, like, it's like they, you know, a bunch of people kind of in an area took a whole bunch of stuff that had already been done and threw it together, and, like, we got bourbon. Um, America. America. I mean, that's a really good kind of uh, analogy. Yeah. 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 Metaphor? Analogy yeah. for America. Both, both. That's so just a bunch of fucking bullshit thrown together, and then sometimes something kind of good comes out of it. Yeah, yeah. it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. But most of the time it's trash. We should put that shit on a t shirt. Hey, hey, we didn't go to a war with Iran, all right? Yes. All right? Because a couple civilians were going to die. We were locked and loaded, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry. There was a tweet. There was tweets, trash. Anyways. Trash tweet. <laughs> trash tweet that trash. I didn't even know about until your husband informed me of it when he came into work today. So he's, thanks, Kate. He's real good with I the trash I purposefully tweets. don't follow our trash oh. president. And then, Dan, and then Dan comes in and tells me about all his terrible no, 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 tweets. because he follows all of his ladies. Yeah, you that's true. You know what's true. funny? Is that this sidebar is directly related to what I'm going to talk about later. Excellent. <laughs> we didn't even know. But we're so smart. Yay! I'm not talking about Dan, your husband. No, okay, that's fine. <laughs> I'm talking about a man. That's, oh, that's okay. That's right. Oh, boy. So, um, so like I just said, there's likely no single inventor of bourbon, blah, 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 used for centuries. Uh, Louisville historian Michael Veach proposes the whiskey was named after Bourbon Street in New Orleans, which was a major port where shipments of Kentucky whiskey sold well as a cheaper alternative to French cognac. Another origin of the name is the association with the geographic area known as Old Bourbon, consisting of the original Bourbon County in Virginia, organized in 1785. This region included much of today's eastern Kentucky, including 34 of the modern counties, included the current Bourbon County in Kentucky, which became a county when Kentucky separated from Virginia as a new state in 1792. This is because when whiskey was shipped out of this region, the barrels were marked with their origin, Old Bourbon, which then came to be known as just bourbon. So that right. seems the most likely to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. That, that it sense. came out of Old Bourbon and yeah. they marked the barrels as such and mm-hmm. then they were like, this is bourbon. So, quick question, sidebar. Kentucky used to be part of Virginia. Part mm-hmm. of, in right. Virginia's for lovers. So, were Virginians like, fuck these people? I don't know. Out in the yeah, I don't know. This part of Kentucky the state wasn't a state them? yet. I don't know how any of that stuff works. Oh, okay. I mean, I assume at some point every state was part of every other state. Yeah, New Hampshire was you part know? of Massachusetts and Vermont at one yeah, point. Yeah, so and nobody wanted us. I mean, what we have at least Maine had King Philip's War. Yeah, not that that's a good thing. It was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Anyways, thanks Salem Witch Trials for informing me about that. Um, <laughs> 
So now we're moving on to 1897. This is when the Bottled and Bond Act is enacted, which we talked about later. Um, and this was sparked by problems with mislabeling and adding dangerous adulterants. Oh. What year is this? 1890? 1897. Seven. Okay. So very similar, which I'm sure we'll talk about in another episode, how they had to do with, like, bread. Right. Mm -hmm. Over, I don't know if they did that here, but over in Europe because, like, people were putting, like, fucking lead and stuff in their bread. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about that in the, I keep wanting to say Alexander Graham Bell, the Sylvester Graham (laughs) Graham Cracker episode. Yes. Yes. That's right. (laughs) Um... So, um, the act established standards of identity that all whiskey made in the U.S. had to follow. It's basically like, don't put poison in your whiskey that's basically already poison, but, like, don't put more poison in it. Don't put And then all those rules went away when we entered Prohibition in the 1930s when they just put shit, like, embalming fluid in alcohol. We don't really talk about that. <laughs> we talk about what happened after. But now we're moving on to 1906. Yay. And the Pure Food and Drug Act. Yay. Um, President Taft announces rules for definition and composition of American whiskey. Bourbon and rye are used to identify the dominant grains used in the mash. So, like, you can go to the liquor store and you see rye whiskey or whatever, mm-hmm. and that's why. So, um we come around to prohibition. So in 1919, it all but kills production of bourbon. But some distilleries were allowed to stay open to make whiskey for, air quotes, medicinal purposes. No. But most close. Um, prohibition is repealed by Roosevelt in 1933. The FDR one, not the, mm-hmm. not the bear hunter one. Um, in 1933, bringing whiskey back. Two presidents. Yeah. And they were both so like, neither one of them was like a throwaway president. No. Yeah. You know, like. They were both iconic. Yeah. 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 Um, the business of distilling spirits is now highly regulated and taxed to bring in revenue needed during the Great Depression. So like after prohibition is repealed, they like tax the shit out of that stuff. So they're like, okay, you can reopen your distilleries, but yeah. we're going to tax the fuck out of you. Cause it's kind of like what's happening with weed. We need the money. Which is like why it should be legal. Yeah, I know. Legalize it and fucking tax it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also like release all the people from prison that... Right. On fucking weed right. charges. A sidebar that we don't have time to get into, I'm but sorry. I 100% agree yeah, with you. Sure. Like, <laughs> let these people fucking out. Yeah. Oh, my God. Fucking people are raping children and they don't get any jail time. Anyways. <gasps> during World War II, <laughs> the U.S. government seizes control of the whiskey industry and distillers pump out 44% of the 1.7 billion gallons of alcohol in the U.S. war effort. Earning the spirit the name Cocktails for Hitler. Yay. Oh my god! <laughs> That's amazing! That's so good! I too love Cocktails for Hitler. <laughs> that reminds me of the song from the producers. I was time for Hitler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. same. Same. Another Broadway sapphire. Yes. Yeah. That this one. Is where we learn all of our. That one I get. That one I get. Yeah. Um. In uh, in 1947, Truman shuts down the country's distilleries for 60 days in order to conserve grain and send it overseas for Europeans who are like I mean that makes sense starving yeah no it's like less important than like feeding hungry people sure um sure trying not to go into a sidebar in 1964. Congress declares bourbon a distinctive product of the United States, giving it special trade protections. Wait, what year? 1964. 1964. 
Shouldn't they have been like focusing on fucking civil rights or some shit and not like? I mean, this was probably so. So from what I read, Beatles. So from, so from, (laughs) everybody was already focused on the Beatles. (laughs) Yeah. So from what I read, it was kind of like a throwaway thing. Okay. Like they just kind of did it, and they were like, whatever. Okay. Like it wasn't something that like they were like talking about and people were like standing up and giving speeches about like to some other bill like no one gave a shit except for lewis and i don't know how to say i think it's rosenstiel yes i don't know rosenstiel an american businessman who was head of one of the world's biggest liquor companies he celebrated by sending a case of bourbon bourbon to every u.s embassy in the world so oh. it got made the like official liquor of America. It had to be made in America. So he sent booze all over the world because he was like rich as fuck and like crazy capitalist. Nice. There's actually a really good article about how bourbon was actually built on capitalism and like hurt a lot of people. Um, but it was a real downer. So I did not include that in my notes. <laughs> Maybe uh, you can link to it on the blog. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll include it. I'll have to remember to go find it and send mm-hmm. you the link. Um, today, the number of American craft distilleries surpasses 1,300. Wow. So dang, that's a lot of information. Oh, my God. So no. now we're going to take a break while I mix up today's drink, and then we're going to talk about what it is. No. You yell barracuda. Everybody says, huh? What? You yell shark. We've got a panic on our hands on the 4th of July. We should not have talked about, we should not have talked about Andrew Scott and Fleabag because I'm all hot and bothered now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's get back. Everybody in your positions, right? Woo-hoo. Back with these drinks. I can smell them. Mm. <laughs> so... Now that we know way more about bourbon than we ever thought we would, let's move on to what we'll be drinking tonight. Um, so tonight I am serving a classic bourbon cocktail, the mint julep. Oh, I've always wanted to try one of these. Same. Um, it sounds so like southern and yes. like yeah. kind of classy but, but also charming. charming. Yeah, yeah, and there there is very specific reasons for that. Which okay. we will go into, although I might be regretting. Does it have to do with Gone with the Wind? Because that's where no. that's what I that's where I no. Imagine. Yeah, I definitely my mind goes to like plantations and slavery. Yeah, oh boy. Of- <laughs> yeah. So moving on, um, a mint julep is super simple. It only has four ingredients, um, but it can take some trial and error to get the exact combination of ingredients that works for you. So like, I don't know how these are gonna be. I don't fucking know. So the four ingredients are (laughs) bourbon, Mm -hmm. sugar. So a traditional mint julep has granulated sugar in it. Mm -hmm. um, But nowadays we have simple syrup and and liquid sugar. So you can make it with either. Some recipes call for two sugar cubes to be muddled in the bottom of the glass. Um, I use simple syrup in this instance just because I hate gritty Mm -hmm. sugar in my drinks. Um, Mint. And then crushed or shaved ice. Mm. So in this, the ice is like actually a really important ingredient. You wouldn't usually list that as an ingredient in a drink, which is why I completely fucking ruined my rolling pin earlier tonight trying to make <laughs> um, shaved ice. Um, I saw that tweet as I was parking. I know. I saw you liked it. And I'm like, you just got here. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> can't, and you can't have bourbon. You'll I'm die. I'm social media. Ooh, kids into this bourbon. Yeah. Oh. Look at him. He's, he's got 
He's got high taste. He does have. This was not a cheap bottle. Um, so the mint julep originated in the southern United States sometime in the 18th century. Mm-hmm. Um, it was originally cited as being used for medici- medicinal purposes, like fucking everything, or like <laughs> coffee. Um, so farmers would drink one early in the morning before they set to work in the fields. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I like how everything that we consider like self medication today in the year was actually was just medication. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, a couple f- hundred years ago, they don't fucking know. As Amanda from Wine and Crime says, "You got ghosts in your blood. Do cocaine about it." <laughs> it's one of my favorite quotes of all time from that show. You've got ghosts in your blood. Do cocaine about it. Anyways. <laughs> So farmers would drink it before they went to work. Um, U.S. Senator Henry Clay from Kentucky is said to have introduced the drink to Washington, D.C., where it became the favorite the favorite drink of Harry Truman. So that was oh, yeah. his jam. Um, the mint julep has been the official drink of the Kentucky Derby since 1938. Each year, almost 120,000 juleps are served at Churchill Downs over the two-day period of the Kentucky Oats and the Kentucky Derby, virtually all of them in specially made Kentucky Derby collectible glasses. Mm. Also, the Kentucky Derby is bullshit, and it should be outlawed. Yeah, so I was just going to say, I have a confession to make, which is I don't believe in, like, horse racing. I think it's, like, really cruel and horrible. Same, same. But I have this, I think it's it's from both... uh, the movie Pretty Woman and its precursor. Well, the big hats. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the big hats. It's fa- it's fancy. Where can I think of the name of that? My Fair Lady. Thank you, My mm-hmm. Fair Lady, which is based off of the the Greek play Pygmalion. Um, <gasps> don't roll your eyes at me. I'm a know it all. Literature nerd. <laughs> That's um, true, actually. <laughs> but yeah, the, because of both of those movies, I have this like really romanticized view of the Kentucky Derby, yeah. and I really want to attend. I don't want to support it at all Mm -hmm. i just want to go and dress up and be fancy and Mm -hmm. wear a fabulous hat i feel the same way like i would go to a kentucky derby themed party after like the kentucky derby is like outlawed right like you know what like it's not okay we don't race horses but let's celebrate the fashion and like the pageantry and the like excess and all that and that's really the only american like i feel like in England, they do this shit all the time with the big hats and the fancy hats. True. But, like, this is the only excuse we have over here. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, traditionally, mint juleps are served in silver or pewter cups and held only by the bottom and top edges of the cup. This allows frost to form on the outside of the cup. I should have brought my silver goblets. Yeah. Cool. So, they're meant to be served very cold. Cold, They have a lot of ice in them, Mm -hmm. which is why you want to use a pretty high-proof bourbon. Okay. So now I'm going to take a hot minute to talk about the bourbon that I use. So I use this um, New Hampshire made stark handcrafted bourbon. Um, it's uh, 100 proof. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, it is 55% corn, 20% barley, and 25% rye. I may not go home tomorrow. <laughs> um, I want to <laughs> see where, yeah, this is Manchester, New Hampshire. Oh, oh. nice. Wait, stark made millions? Start well, brewing. Wolf? Yep. So is it like Game of Thrones themed? No, it's I'm... not. But I don't think it is. Anyways, no. I feel like it's been they've I'm been sure around for a while. I'm sure John Stark was a pretty big deal. Yeah, it's John here. Stark. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. We saw all the 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 um, mausoleum and stuff at the Valley Street yeah. Cemetery. So cemetery, cemetery, cemetery. Sure. cemetery. So I'm just gonna read like a little bit on the <laughs> back about the flavoring of this bourbon. So, um. 
It says, the corn and barley give this a silky sweetness while the rye imparts a pleasant spiced flavor. After distillation, it's aged in brand new American white oak barrels with a medium char. The smaller size of the barrels helps mature the bourbon without the need for extensive lengths of time, saving us more room for more barrels. (laughs) We recommend adding just a splash of water to help bring out the full experience of our hard work. Please enjoy responsibly. And you can find out more about them at starkbrewingcompany.com, facebook.com slash starkbrewingcompany, or instagram.com slash starkbrewingcompany. Like I said, they're in Manchester, New Hampshire, which is really cool. So we've That got, wolf on the, on we'll, the bottle is definitely... We've got two things here. Yeah, no, the bottle's fucking awesome. Yeah, I brought it home cool. and Greg was like, this bottle is bitching. Yeah. So what I have is I do have a glass with just some bourbon and some ice. Mm-hmm. And the ice has melted, so it's watered down a little bit. And I'm going to try it. Melissa's like I'm not like a straight booze person like I've been trying to taste gins like actually like trying Mm -hmm. to taste them and I have a really hard time with it and the burning and Mm -hmm. all of that stuff and then they're crying no there's no crying (laughs) Um, but so I just kind of wanted to try this before we try the like mint julep okay so it's actually really smooth okay so Kate's gonna try a little bit it's like you just did what my toddler does, which is like put their hand down and just give me your fingers. Give me, give me, give me. It smells like yeah, no, it's really good. It's like, it like really smooth. Now well, it's it's honestly, a little like shocking because it's just basically straight booze, but like I'm gonna make a lot of horrible sounds. Yeah, no, it's like I'm actually really excited about the mint julep now because like I could sip that. Yeah. So, and I can't sip shit. <laughs> I see people. We were just talking about this the I other night. I would drink this with some seltz. Like I would yeah. need some seltzer. I would need. Do you put seltzer in whiskey or bourbon? I don't know. Probably not. I don't think not. that's the thing. That's probably like a little lemon juice. That would be fucking amazing in a whiskey sour, which is yeah, like one of my favorite drinks. So we, yeah, give it to. I want Amy to try it. Get ready. You, to laugh you at can me. hear the clink clink of a. Yeah, it's very ice. fancy. <laughs> <laughs> And no? it stays. No. Yeah. It doesn't go away either. It's still in there. Oh, God. Yeah, Birds. Still, yeah. See, I, I actually uh, like it. Yeah, no, I... I this is the good. first bourbon or whiskey I've had that, like... But to be fair, I don't really try and drink them straight very often. I'm going to get fucking blitzed. It feels like what I would drink if I had a sore throat. Like, it would help if I had a sore throat. It doesn't taste like well, cough syrup, medicinal. though. No, it doesn't taste like cough syrup at all. I just feel like it would help. Like, that feeling you get when you're getting over a cold. Well, it would certainly clear out any phlegm that might Oh, yeah, there. no. Like, yeah. that po- post-nasal drip I've been yeah, dealing with? Yeah. That's- yeah. Okay, so now we're going to try our mint julep. Okay. All this sa- all this silence and, like, clinking glasses. Oh, we didn't cheers. Oh, cheers. Oh, no. You hold that, Kate, okay. so you can, you can cheers. Cheers! Episode seven! Yay! Yay. All right. Now, this has sugar and mint in it, so, you know. Everything's good with sugar. Oh, I much prefer that. Ooh! Yeah. Oh, my God. Your husband's going to be mad at me tomorrow because you're going to get fucking trashed. I have to be at work tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, you didn't have any more wine, so. Yeah, I turned down the second glass of wine. Doesn't it taste just like classic? Yeah, yeah. So, I wonder whether so much sounds of us like gulping and <laughs> swallowing <laughs> the flavor. Like, yeah. um, I wonder whether the I, I always wonder whether the um 
sugar, granulated sugar when it's mint or when it's basil or something I, is, yeah. is necessary. That's something I thought about kind of like when you put two ingredients in a mortar and pestle. Yeah. Like you need that you friction. That. Yeah. And that's definitely something I thought I'm about. I'm not getting a lot of mint. I agree. Like and I put in, I think I put 10 mint leaves in each. Yeah, that's a lot of mint. Yeah. 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 And I muddled it. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, granulated is better. But we're coming up on an hour. So we need to move it on. Right. We're doing so good at keeping time. Uh, I feel like this episode should be just as long as the last one, but it'll have less like extraneous like bullshit in it. We, we're only we're, we're, as precious as Amy's children are, and I love to talk about them. So Amy, yeah, I'm pulling up my notes right now. As I'm pulling up my notes, I have a question for you guys. Ooh, okay. Because our topic is is Fourth of July and Americana, right? Mm-hmm. So we're talking about a truly American beverage. Mm-hmm. And what do you guys think of when you think of like a Fourth of July meal? What's the first thing that comes to mind? I mean, it's not really fair because I know what we're going to talk about. That's true. But I mean, cookouts. Yeah. Yeah, cookouts. I mean, burgers, you know, hot dogs, like... <sighs> Oh, Kate, Kate, that's something fun. No, no, I just, the 4th of July um, for my family was always like the actual one holiday. Mm -hmm. Um, It was. Oh, man. 4th of July is at at Kate's house. Yeah, bigger than. Fucking bomb. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, like. Fireworks on the lake. A cannon that just goes off sometimes. Yeah, like loud noises. So much fun. So much food. So, like, but certainly. certainly Like summer favorites. on the potato salad like you know um i I think there's like a lot of like regional specific cuisine too when it comes to fourth of july like oh probably like if you're in the south i feel like it's got to be barbecue yeah yeah and like or fried food like it's you know and i i feel like there's different staples like even i was reading something that it was like what what's like essential cookout food Mm -hmm. and like or essential cookout side dishes and like in the midwest it was like mashed potatoes or, some, or potato salad or something yeah something to do with potatoes and then like in the south it was like mac and cheese like and mm-hmm. barbecue and so i feel like there's probably some regional differences and i wonder where the baked beans comes in because we've ne- like baked beans are never ever 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 part of no yeah i've not but i've not done them either but like my parents are pretty big on baked beans yeah. but i don't even remember whenever we had people over i don't remember them serving them it was more of like a family specific well and i always feel meal. like and it's weird because for me, baked beans feel like a cold weather thing. Mm-hmm. As yeah, that's to, not a which is the same with mac or, and cheese. Like yeah. I don't know, macaroni and cheese plus cookout just weird. Yeah, the but like macaroni salad's fine, macaroni and that salad, has ma- totally and fine. that has mayo in it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like there's different family traditions mm-hmm. and regional traditions at play. Yeah, but the most consumed food for Fourth of July. Mm-hmm. Is hot dogs? Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Which I fucking love. I love. I love hot dogs. Hot dogs. They're horrible for I, you. I want to hate them because mm-hmm. they're disgusting. Right. And then, and we get and we get like the nat- the natural casing yeah. ones that have that snap, mm-hmm. and that's gross. So good. Mm-hmm. And like the way we've tr- we've bred and treat pigs is terrible. Yeah. And it's just all bad. Yes. Yep. But they taste. So, so good. good. They taste like childhood. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I mean, I know you, Amy, you basically grew up on like macaroni and cheese and hot dogs. Yes. So like. 
I fucking love hot dogs. And I'm, like, because I'm a very picky eater, there are very specific kinds Ooh, of hot dogs. yes. Okay, okay. So, like, right now, all I will eat for hot dogs are, like, garbage hot dogs, like, ballpark, right? Oh. I mean, they'll be all beef, but, like, I won't eat, like, the natural kosher hot dogs. Because okay. for some reason, I'd rather eat, like, mystery meat with pink slime than eat something that I know is, like, made from intestines. Mm. Okay. Like, I'm rather, like, I'm okay with the mystery. I'm not okay with intestines. I don't know why. Huh. Yeah. So, I am definitely, um, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure that Kayam and Scotland's are New England mm-hmm. um, brands. Is it Kayam? I always thought it was KM. Yeah, I thought it was KM, too. I don't don't actually know, whatever. I'm pretty sure that those are New England brands, Mm -hmm. um, so you might not be able to get them, you know, for the two people who are listening to this that might not be in New England. (laughs) Oh, I didn't, yeah, I didn't, I didn't even. Yeah. That's what we get. But that's, those are the ones. Um, I'm sure there's different brands of kosher hot dogs or regional. I'm sure. KM's kosher, right? Yes, yeah. 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 But those are, are, I mean, that's, that is absolutely what I grew up mm-hmm. on. Um, my husband will only eat Nathan's hot dogs. Um, those are the ballpark ones, they're right? They're good. And they are, they are not, they're skinless. Like he won't yep. do the snap, but give me the snap. Yeah, that's gross to me. Yeah. I remember distinctly when I was a child and I have a very large extended Catholic family and like, I don't know how we all fit in a car together, but like five mm-hmm. of my great aunts and uncles um, were transporting me across the state for some reason. I must have been going to to stay with another family member for a weekend or something. But we stopped at some little hole in the wall place to get to get food, and they had hot dogs on the menu. I was like, "Oh, I like hot dogs. I'll get hot dogs." And it was like maybe like seven or eight. Yeah. yeah. And then they brought out hot dogs that had like the little curly tails uh-huh. on them, and I was like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> so good. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, I love it. Love it. Now, um, little sidebar, um, I also <laughs> loathe boiled hot dogs. So, Can't now, is boiled and steamed the same thing? I don't think it's the Greg same Because Greg steams them. Steamed I don't, is better. Steamed is Why? better, but... I mean, it's still fucking in a pot with water. I prefer, like, grilled. in the pan or, or grilled. Yes, grilled is sure. But yeah. he, like, steams nope. Can't them. Can't do it. Mm-mm. Which is, I mean... It's just healthier, barely probably. not boiling. Why? We don't put oil. I don't put oil in the pan when I, I throw I them on know. the. I just feel like steaming anything is healthier than I don't know. <laughs> throw it on the grill and it's gonna. It's cook a fucking up. hot dog. Yeah, like, that's true. I, yeah. So, fun fact: every year on Fourth of July, approximately 150 million hot dogs are consumed. Hot dogs. Hot dogs. Hot dogs. Can you repeat that number? 150 million hot dogs. That's a lot of hot dogs. A lot of hot dogs. It is a lot of hot dogs. So, I'm going to give you guys a brief history of the hot dog. That was really loud. I'm no, sorry. Was real loud. Also. Yeah, I drank it off. <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> oh, it is on. I got water. Not my fault. Hi, Not my fault. I'm an adult. It's fine. Okay, right. so the hot dog as we know it was invented <laughs> in Germany. So not an American. So I was Frankenfurt. I was gonna say, yeah, that I think that's the other thing. It's a Frankenbeans. Lots of of worsts going on in my family. Lots of worsts. It's yeah, I know what you're saying. (laughs) But it sounds like 
you're like, everyone in my family's the worst. Oh, no. Yeah, everyone in my family awesome. is amazing, but there's lots of worst. Like, brat worst. Brat worst. Right. Yes. Okay. Liver worst. And okay. all of that other stuff. Understood. Mm-hmm. So, the um, first, so back in Germany in like the 1400s, there. Germans started like really eating sausages. I was gonna say really getting into sausages. Innuendo <laughs> <laughs> like, the there. Because oh, that's because that stopped us before. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> when I told when I told my uh, partner the topic of tonight's episode, he was like, "There's gonna be a lot of dick jokes, aren't there?" And I was like, "I didn't think of any," and I made immediately panic. <laughs> Wieners. Wieners. Okay. Uh, Germans love a hot wiener. Very true. <laughs> Um, so a lot of people believe that the hot dog was in, or the frankenfurter. <laughs> I love the way you say hot dog. Hot dog. Hot dog. So now every time you say frankenfurter, it's automatically a Rocky. Rocky Horror Picture Show sure. reference. Yeah. And that's yeah. what pops in my head when yeah. I say frankenfurter. Okay. So they think it was invented in the, in the city of Frankfurt. Others believe it was invented in a smaller village of Coburg. Um, and that someone, the butcher who invented them in Coburg, traveled to Frankfurt to market his his new sausage. Um, but honestly, sausages, like references to sausages, and I, I don't mean dicks, <laughs> uh, date back to the Odyssey. Homer's the Odyssey. Wow. I fucking hate that shit. Why? It's an epic poem. Literally. Because I was forced to read it in school, and when I was in school, I was like, this is fucking stupid, and I don't care. I wish that, like, when that was taught, it was taught better, because it's It's like when I read fucking Beowulf. Beowulf? Beowulf and fucking Canterbury Tales. Like, I don't need this old English bullshit. Canterbury Tales is so good. It's like an episode of Real Housewives. (laughs) Maybe if it was presented in a way that fucking made sense, but instead it's a bunch of gibberish that I'm just like, I don't know, this is made up words. It's just a bunch of people being catty and petty with yeah, each other it's yeah, so good. And slutty and yeah yeah mm-hmm. it's good okay so anyways the american hot dog is derived um from a mixing pot if you will of different hot dogs and sausages <laughs> so there are german frankfurters and then also wieners from vienna wieners. wieners so there's a lot of um yeah i can't think of another word other than dicks <laughs> There's a lot of different kinds of sausages all mixed together. It's a sausage fest. If you will. <laughs> I love I love a good sausage yeah. fest. Yeah. And then uh, so there's a variety of butchers from a variety of nationalities all kind of mixing together as immigrants in the United States to make what we consider the modern hot dog. Um, so we know it was created in New York at some point. You mentioned Nathan's hot dogs. Mm-hmm. So like Coney so, Island, right? So yeah. like the American version. Right. Of a hot dog. The American okay. version. Yeah. Okay. So um, in 1871, Charles Feltman, a German baker, opened up the first Coney Island hot dog stand selling 3,684 what were called at this time dash hound sausages. Um, Dachshund sausages? What? Yes. In, what? A, in a milk uh, milk roll. Okay. So so when you said that, I immediately pictured a hot dog and milk. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> well, so like this fun. is funny because Nathan's, which is a famous Coney Island establishment, which is often credited with inventing the first modern hot dog, they have an annual hot dog eating contest. And the people who Ooh. eat the hot dogs will... Oh, that's true. Yeah. They'll, they'll dip the bun. Yeah. No, I've seen it. It's water, disgusting. Right? Water. Mm. Because once they... Because otherwise, if you just eat the buns like normal, it absorbs all the water of your mouth and then you can't eat as many hot dogs. It's like trying to eat a bunch of saltine crackers. Yes. At once. But with also penises. 
<laughs> it's like eating a bunch of saltine crackers and then putting a dick in your mouth. Right. Worst day ever. And I or, love saltines. <laughs> <laughs> and I love dick. <laughs> Oh god, this is gonna be a great episode. <laughs> um, I have another julep. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there's some, you know, like just like you were talking about with the drinks, Melissa, with with whiskey and bourbon. Like, yeah. Nobody really knows for sure. There's other conflicting stories about how the hot dog was invented. Um, one of them actually dates back to um, the Lewis and Clark expedition. Wow. Um, when they were, you know, going out to survey the Louisiana Purchase, that there was this, like, really bougie French dude. And there was um, his brother-in-law was a baker on the expedi- expedition. And um, some of the the German cooks that came along, they were making sausages. They were cooking sausages. And this bougie French dude was getting really pissed because his all his white gloves were getting soiled from, like, mm. touching the sausages. Then stop touching the sausages. <laughs> I know that's hard but, for some men. Help it. But just don't. So, just use your mouth. Uh, right. Or take your gloves off. <laughs> or take your gloves so off. So he asked yeah, his brother-in-law, the baker, to bake a roll okay. for that. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. And then that's what, what originated eating so, sausages I just bread. picture a bunch of men just standing around a fire just like, <laughs> Going ham on like a sausage, not in a bun or anything, just like on a stick. Ah, I doubt it was even on a stick. If he was getting it on his gloves, Mm. it's just a sausage. Yeah, Mm -hmm. right. You're just eating it like a fucking savage. But with white gloves. Why the fuck did you bring white gloves? (laughs) Yeah, it was the Clark expedition. Why would you eat anything with white gloves on? Wrong thing to do. That's how the sandwich is invented, too, though. I thought it was that he wanted something. Oh, because he didn't want to get mess on the cards, though. He was playing a card game. Well, it's all these bougie, like, aristocratic. Yeah, yeah. The Earl of Sandwich. I know that one, Amy. I watch Good Eats. Okay, okay. So, (laughs) so, um, this, this spot in Coney Island that opened up in 1871, their first year, they sold 3,684 Dash Hound sausages. In rolls, milk milk rolls is up there. Which, called. which came first, the dog or the Dachshund sausage? So the I would assume the Dachshund sausage is what they were originally called before they were called hot dogs. It wasn't until the very late eighteen hundreds or early nineteen hundreds that they were starting to be called hot right. dogs. And I'll I'll get into that. I'll get into Guys, that. Guys, I did a I did a shot in the kitchen. Oh Jesus. <laughs> She's being honest now. Why? And I am struggling. It's okay. Yeah, why would you do okay. that? <laughs> We're going to move forward in time a little bit to 1893. Okay. Ooh, okay. Fast there, travel. There is a Colombian exhibition in Chicago, which is kind of like a World's Fair kind of thing, but on a smaller scale. And a mm-hmm. bunch of food vendors from New York City actually travel out to Chicago, relocate permanently, but they travel out there because they know they'll make so much fucking money in this one big event. All right. Right? And it's in uh, 1893, and they start, so all these food vendors start selling sausage, these German food vendors start selling sausages in rolls, because you can eat them. You can't just, right. like, eat a you sausage. You can, like, travel with it. Right, exactly. And then also in 1893, uh, I'm going to say his name fucking wrong, Chris Von Dia. His last name looks like, <laughs> I don't know. Melissa's well, making a face at me. No, I'm just smiling. This he, is my face. <laughs> this is her, I did a shot in the kitchen face. Yes. He owned the St. Louis Browns, which was an MLB team. And he loved hot dogs. So he started selling them 
in the stands. So oh. he's the first Gina, yes. to bring this stuff that these Mar- street food vendors are selling into a stadium, into an MLB stadium. Um, and then the legend about the creation of the bun I mentioned earlier was like the Louisiana Purchase Expedition, right? Um, and because of their smaller size compared to traditional sausages, they were often referred to, as I mentioned, dash down sausages until the late 1800s. So there's an urban legend about how they started being called um, hot dogs, and it's from a cartoonist, a really famous cartoonist called Tad Dorgan, which is a dumb fucking name. <laughs> fucking Tad, Tad Dorgan. Right? <laughs> what a fucking loser. <laughs> so a lot of people are like, oh, Tad Dorgan. He's He like created like these like really amazing comics that are really popular in the early 1900s that I've never fucking heard of, but he was a big deal back then. And a lot of people credit him with creating the term hot dog because he allegedly drew a cartoon that showed street vendors selling these and he calls them hot dogs in the cartoon, but not a single fucking person can find this cartoon. And he was a really prolific cartoonist where all of his work was like completely cataloged. So huh. it's a lie. So I think it's a lie. I think it's bullshit. But again, which came first? The dog or the hot dog i'm sure the, the dog, dog the dog did first and Can then they we started do a history of dachshunds as okay hot food hot diggity dog so just like hot cross buns like they originally came out they were just cross buns they weren't served <laughs> but, hot and then oh, street okay. vendors started heating them up to make them more enticing so, yeah, same yeah, thing yeah. with these sausages so wait they were served cold originally yeah the dash on sausages and then street vendors would heat them up they would be cooked and cured well, ahead of time. Well, I think the other, there's got to be also somebody must be like, oh, haha, dachshunds are like German dogs and these look like a dachshund, so we should call them yeah. dachshunds. Can you sausages. pull up the drive? Because I have some amazing fucking cartoons I, which are terrifying. I have it pulled up. Melissa's <laughs> face. Ooh, look at how coy this dachshund is. World's <laughs> longest. Ooh. Yeah, there's a, a cartoon which we'll post to the library where it says world's longest wiener. Dachshund wieners, lo- world's longest. <laughs> yep. And then there's another one that's terrifying and shows somebody that looks like shaving off the tail of a fucking dachshund. And then another one, another one is serving the the hot dogs made from his friend's butt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Greetings from Coney Island, ladies and gentlemen. This is the stuff of nightmares. Yeah. (laughs) But red hot frankfurters and sauerkraut. Yum. So the story about Tad Dorgan, that douchebag cartoonist, and she's probably not a douchebag. He's probably a lovely person. It's Sorry. just that his name's Tad. It's like the so name Todd. Right. It's horrible. Yeah. You know that he wears lots of popped collars and lots yeah. of, yeah. Like he was preppy before preppy was a Yeah, thing. exactly. But so they say that he invented the phrase in 1901. He doesn't become a popular cartoonist until 1903. And there's actually references to the term hot dog that date back to the 1890s. So like the Yale student paper... Um, references hot dogs. Yeah, it was definitely bros that did it. Uh, Yeah. yeah. It was, Mm -hmm. like, all, like, really preppy fucking Mm -hmm. bro publications that had it. So, how did hot dogs become a staple of Fourth of July? You laugh every time I say hot dogs. It's the cutest thing I've ever heard. I just love it so much. Okay. I'm glad. (laughs) 
So the funny thing is, is that any food that's ever been popular at Fourth of July has been food that's been popular in New England because of our ties Rep- to the Revolution. Oh, sure. I so, mean, we're old as fuck. Right, we are. <laughs> so, like, before hot dogs were the Fourth of July food, you want to know what was the Fourth of July food? Lobster. No. Only for cream pie. pie. I know it was only for prisoners. Yes. Boston cream pie. No. <laughs> turtle soup. Made no. Real fucking no. Why don't? Mm, that's a question for another episode. Yeah. Why don't we eat turtles? Because they're cute. Because they're uh, everything's they're fucking cute. That's true. Okay. That's true. Have you ever seen? A, have you ever looked into a cow's? Big brown eyes. They are cute. Cows are real cute. They're a lot of so turtles cute. are endangered now, so they, there's too. actually been legislation. Legislation. Is that because we made so much turtle soup? Yes. Okay. That's part of it. Hmm. So turtle soup is still really popular in the South. Really? Um, yeah, but it's not as popular in the North. In so the we got to take a trip. We got to take a trip across the country. Well, yeah. Trip sidebar. And we're going to go all these places. We're going to eat stuff that we don't want to eat. Like, mm, I don't just care about sidebars has vanished from the window. Just it's sidebar the directly connected. Okay. And we're going to try turtle soup. <laughs> and I'm going to cry as I eat it. Yes. Sidebar over. <laughs> okay. So turtle soup, because it's funny that I forgot about John Adams earlier, because that was his favorite fucking food. This turtle oh. soup. Huh. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and then also part of the reason why we associate uh, hot dogs with the 4th of July, I think is because, um, they started being sell- sold in major league baseball stadiums. And that's like America. Right. Yeah. Like when we think of American sports, like we think of baseball. Like, I yeah, mean, it's shifting. Our, it's shifting, but that's like our, our pastime. It's right? America's pastime. Yeah. Right. Um, and then hot dogs have played a really vital role in United States diplomacy over the years. So we talked about Boston cream pie last episode and how it helped thaw the cold war. Well, the hot dog has been way fucking more for American diplomacy than the Boston cream pie ever did. Okay. So the very first instance of this is with FDR, a Roosevelt who we were talking about earlier yeah. and King George, uh, I suck at Roman numerals. The six. <laughs> so five. So V and then a one. <laughs> v and then a one. V Don't and then an I. I'm dyslexic. Oh numbers my god. And letters get mixed up in my brain. I'm so sorry. Except it's I think funny. I have that number dyslexia. So yeah. Self-diagnose yourself, ladies and gentlemen. It's the way to go. It is. <laughs> um. So King George <laughs> yeah. came to the United All States. Right, Melissa. It is, yeah, it's, it's great. Happening. Just keep pouring. <laughs> uh, in 1939, so uh, shit was getting real in Europe, yeah. right, with World War II, mm. which tech, some historians might uh, argue about semantics about me calling it World War II before the United States enters the war, because technically it isn't a world war unless every con- every continent has a major country participating. But it's participating. the same war. But it's the same fucking war, so I don't care. So I'm calling it World War II. I don't think no one listens. And if they do, I don't think they're going to call you out on that. <laughs> okay. Um, We're going to get that one they, asshole. If they do, we'll kick them in. It'll, the be, Chris, it'll, be, Chris, it'll be Chris from my work who loves Ooh. World War II stuff, and he's going to be like, actually. Okay, Chris, shut the fuck up. I love you, Chris. You helped me with my accounting homework. <laughs> So King George comes over and he's like, <laughs> shit, I need to ask for help. And it's kind of like eating humble pie because like at this point, the Brits, even though it's like over a hundred years after the revolution, I'm bad at math. So I know it's plus a hundred. Whatever, <laughs> something, whatever, who cares? It's a long time after Do the, the math revolution. yourself, lazy Jesus. <laughs> 
We're drinking. <laughs> it's getting out of control. <laughs> so it's, but there's still like this weird dynamic, right? It's, it's not like, I feel like when we think about modern politics between the UK and the US, we think about it like, it's kind of made fun of in, in different movies and media and stuff as like that special relationship between the, our two countries. We're like, we, we see the U.S. as the more powerful of the two countries. In the U.K., it's like this tiny country that needs help. But this is at this weird point in history where the U.K. is is starting to, to stop being this, like, empirical force. And it's starting to lose more and more power, even though, like, they've lost a lot of their colonies already. And this is the first time that they've ever had to, like, really fucking ask us for help. Mm. Like, World War One, kind of. Like, we, we like helped with like arms and supplies and stuff like that but like we also did shady shit in world war one like world war two it's like fucking real they need our help to win and they know it so this is the first time that they're coming to us and being like please 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 help us um so king george comes over with his wife and um, his daughter who's that's that's i was gonna say that's a played by colin firth in the king's speech yes oh my god i had such a heart i had such a heart on for him in that movie yeah he's so good oh my god i love it when he swears i know (laughs) (laughs) have you never seen the king's speech oh my god it's so fucking good yeah we won't get into it but you need to see it yeah i mean royalty i know colin firth Mm -hmm. being like all humble and like so cute okay and he's stuttering i just want to help him oh my god i can change him sidebar that is going to make you guys all very disappointed in me i didn't i'd never seen love actually until this past christmas i've still i've never seen it (gasps) we we got it from netflix back when they did the actual like dvds and we got it and then we just didn't watch it and we didn't watch it and we didn't watch it and we didn't watch it and then we sent it back and then but melissa it's long love actually it's long all around it is (laughs) (laughs) all right look it's a christmas movie right yeah yeah i'll I'll watch it this holiday it's so good okay you have my words so anyway watch it together King George. And that his will never crew, happen, but okay. <laughs> King George and his crew come over for a four day excursion, really on their way to four Canada. Four days? Yeah, because they're really on their way to Canada. Oh, so okay. they come over to Washington, D.C., they tour the Capitol, and then they go up through New York and they stay at FDR's residence in Hyde Park in New York oh. on the way to Canada. The real. The, so they came to ask for help from the Americans, but they weren't really planning on staying here for a very long time because they also had to do this like tour in Canada to be like, Sorry, we're taking all your troops for the war. Effort. I was sorry. just going to say, like, sorry. Um, sorry. So there's like a big old war over there. We're out. We are. We bailed, and we're like mm-hmm. all the way over here across the sea. Right. You know, we're all the way. We don't. Yeah, we aren't like we aren't invested at this time. At this time in American history, there are fucking Nazi rallies in New York City. Like, there are Nazi rallies. Oh, by this time, you mean this time. Right, not, not now. Time. No, I mean in 1939. Because right. now, right that's now, a thing. Yeah, that's also, that's also yeah. a thing in 2019 because fucking Trump. <laughs> but, yes, in 1939, like, the, the country's very divided because, like, we're turning away Jews who are coming up on our, like... On that, on, yeah, on that big yeah. boat. We sent them right back we to be murdered. Them, yeah, <laughs> go back and be murdered like good Jews. Um, Despite Chaplin's best efforts. Yeah, so we're being <laughs> fucking horrible at this time, okay? So the king comes, and uh, FDR plans this big, elaborate... Oh, I shouldn't say elaborate. It's, like, the opposite of elaborate. 
this he, there's a big elaborate tour in Washington D.C. that's like all the formalities of a diplomatic visit, and then FDR is like, you know what I'm gonna do to like disarm these um, these engagements with the royals? I'm gonna invite them to a fucking picnic. I'm gonna serve them Ooh, a hot dog. Ooh, a picnic. A picnic. A picnic to have some hot dogs. Right. So he serves them fucking hot dogs, and this is the first time the royals have ever. Like, I can't see Queen Elizabeth eating a hot dog. Oh, I have a crazy story about her first. (laughs) Her first. Okay. Her first wiener. Um, So the headline in the New York Times the day after the picnic read, I'm going to say this in my best 1940s or 30s voice. Oh, yeah. Get ready. (laughs) King tries hot dog and asks for more. And he... (laughs) Extra, extra. (laughs) And he drinks beer with them. Very good. <laughs> Very good. You should be a newsie. <laughs> she should be a newsies. I'm not at all embarrassed. Um, you should not be. I know. do a bad impression every episode, so I mean, it's yeah. fine. You get one every now and That's then. True. We did try to do 1940s accents last episode, but I feel like I didn't fully commit. No, so I wanted that, the opportunity. That was, that was right there. Mm-hmm. So, so FDR at the time, I was like, you know what? I'm going to make a bougie for him. I'm going to serve the hot dogs in silver platters. Of course. And but the, did he serve them great poupon? <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. Excuse me, sir. How many great poupon? So the, King George refused to eat the hot dog off the silver what platter. What a bitch! No, here's why though. Here's why because everyone else was eating off of fucking paper plates because FDR didn't want to put out real fucking plates in silver oh, for the fucking King of England. King Colin first. So King George was like, you know, I want to eat like everyone else is eating. Oh, he he likes the commoners. He didn't the even want to be king. So they gave him a hot dog and then he was like, Can I have a second? And fucking scarfed down the second. He did, ate he, two hot dogs he, enthusiastically. Did he deep throat? That thing? Yes, he deep throated that. The original Kobayashi. Yes. Um, <laughs> That's his name, right? I don't. So oh, this, the. Yeah, the hot dog yeah, eating. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking like Kobayashi Maru from like oh, Star no. Trek. <laughs> and I'm like, what's that have to do with hot dogs? <laughs> so the newspaper from the time, the New York the Times, said correct. that he ate the hot dogs, quote, with gusto. Ooh, with gusto. <laughs> Love then, gusto. Here's the great tidbit about Queen Elizabeth and her first wiener. Maybe <laughs> <Amy>, no. <laughs> so Queen Elizabeth asked FDR how to eat the hot dog, and he said, "This is fucking horrible." He said, "Very simple. Push it into your mouth and keep pushing it in until it is all gone." She was Ew. fucking thirteen. Well, I mean, time. come on though. It's not. I mean, I'm sure he wasn't being a creep. Uh, you put it in your mouth, you eat it till it's gone. I mean, it, do I you mean, know anything about FDR? Because, like, he no. went to Hyde Park with his mistress. So Okay, it was like, his mistress 12? No. Well, then no point. Okay. <laughs> okay. Like, just having a mistress does not make you some sort of, That's like, true. sex pervert. That's true. Okay, so he said that to Queen Elizabeth, which is fucking risque. She declined to eat it that way and instead used a fork and knife. No, honey. Because she had been raised her whole life honey, as a no. lady. I know. Okay. What's up? Hi, buddy. Okay, so it played a really vital role in this, like, first diplomatic engagement of this nature between the UK and the US. A full 20 years later, the hot dog also plays a vital role in thawing the Cold War as well. How? Are you going to tell us, Amy? Tell. 
<laughs> I am. Remember Khrushchev from our last <laughs> episode? He bit you because you're fucking, like, you're acting like a sloppy drunk. I'm right all now. over like, him. Yeah. I'm acting like, I'm taking him, I'm taking him back to the dorm, man. <laughs> yeah, no, you gotta leave him alone. Give him some space. <laughs> okay, in 1959, Khrushchev visited the U.S. Remember, in 1959, it's also the year of the cultural exchange. Oh, yes, the cultural exchange. Yeah, right? the kitchen debate. The kitchen debate. Yeah, I remember. something. I remember. Um, so in 1959, he visits the U.S. and he tours, actually, uh, you know, throughout the country. And he visits a food packaging plant in Iowa where he eats his first hot dog. So a fun fact about the Russians at this time, they were not allowed, like Russian diplomats were not allowed to eat food unless you waved a Geiger counter over it <laughs> to check for radiation <laughs> levels. <laughs> that is fucking rich. <laughs> uh, so they're like, do you want a hot dog? And he's like, yes, hold on a second. And then they like got his like bodyguard or something and they raised a Geiger counter. Over Topical. It. I fucking know about Chernobyl. You pieces of shit. Why don't you wave a Geiger counter over that? You fucking assholes. It's a little, it's a little, it's a little late. A little, a little late. late yeah. A little late. Okay. Whoa, you, just you just like mic dropped your phone. <laughs> <laughs> That's so bizarre. It's weird. Isn't it weird? Yeah. So can you imagine being the plant manager and being like, would you like to try a hot dog? And then fucking Khrushchev is like, yes, hold on a second. So and bananas were definitely Khrushchev a no gun. A no gun? A no go? They must have been. They couldn't eat anything off of Fiesta wear plates. <laughs> or or have fucking plates. peanut butter. We've already talked about this. Yes, Moving on. Have. Everything's radioactive. Everything. Okay, and then 40 years later, all of these things happen in years that end with nine. So I'm like really nervous about 2019. Just want to put it out here. Okay. okay. It's so like almost over. In 1939, and then it's in 1959, and then. Another 40 years after that, so 1999, Bill Clinton serves kosher hot dogs at a vital sit-down with the Prime Minister uh, Ehud Barak of Israel and Palestinian leader Yasser Arafat. So, like, it, to do peace talks with the fucking Middle East, he serves fucking hot dogs. Yeah, that feels like Clinton. Yeah. Yep. I yep. mean... It also feels uh, like... He's very wiener-focused. Yeah. <laughs> that feels right. That just feels right. It's uh -huh. all about the wiener. Yeah. <laughs> but apparently it also feels like Obama. Because Obama in 2009 also serves hot dogs at the 4th of July picnic at the White okay. House. Okay, well that's different. hosting Iranian diplomats. But it's a picnic. Yeah, and, and this it's is the 4th of July. And this is the first time that Iranian diplomats have been invited to the White House 4th of July Was that the only thing they served? In 1979. Was that oh. the only thing they served? No. No. And I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'm not, I'm not really even dissing on Clinton. For serving the hot dogs. Oh, saying, no, you diss on him for, right. for, you know, being a rapist. For everything else. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That, the raping. <laughs> the raping. Speaking of which, there's an amazing... Uh, sidebar? Essay. That, yeah, sidebar. There's an amazing <laughs> essay that came out today by this really um, wonderful woman who has been an advice columnist and essayist for years about the time that Trump raped her. Um, so that's fun. Well, I mean, he's already been accused of raping a child and... Yeah, there's. She is now woman number sixteen to accuse him of sexual assault. I have a sticker on my fridge that says "Trump rapes children." <laughs> just you do. just right. one of my favorite things. I actually. got it at a shoo shoo show. So back to shoo -shoo. wiener shoo -shoo. Of, 
Back to wieners of notable size. Let's stop talking about rape. Um, Moving on. The, there is... <gasps> I just got that failed insult. <laughs> wieners of notable size. Good one. All the other wieners we talked about weren't of noticeable size. Right. She's like, I didn't mean that, but... Yeah, I just I meant mean not it. Trump. Um, yeah. <laughs> I meant uh, Trump has hands. a small dick. That's what I meant. Um, so there's actually a council of hot dogs in the United States. There's, it's a real thing that exists. And they have, like, etiquette and the history of hot dogs and a whole bunch of information. I got a lot of Is that where the Wiener Mobile lives? I mean, does the Wiener Mobile live there? No, it's Oscar Mayer. the Oscar Mayer. Oscar, Oscar Mayer. Oscar Mayer. <laughs> Guys, I'm drunk. Wait, what's the Oscar Mayer song? We have to sing it. That's baloney, though, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. it's baloney. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm definitely... I mean, and baloney and hot dogs are so not the same thing. I'm definitely My putting life. a Hamilton song at the end of this episode. <laughs> Good. Until we're big enough to get called on shit like that, I'm doing it. Oh, we should also... There's an amazing song all about wieners. From the first Secret Life of Pets that is amazing. It's life-changing. We should play it before the end of the episode. I'm going to find Well, I can't do both, but okay. I'll figure it out. Um, but they... I just closed my notes. I got to... <laughs> <laughs> About the wiener song. Okay. Um, so this counts that I mentioned. They estimate that Americans consume 20 fucking billion hot dogs a year. That's a lot of hot dogs. That, yeah, yeah that's, that's about a, 70 wow. hot dogs per it's person. It's a lot of wieners. Each wow. year. It's a lot of wieners. Wow. It's a lot of wieners. 70 hot dogs per yeah. person. But wieners played a very, very important role in American I, diplomacy I, since 1939. So, you know, it's important. We're going to want to turn back to the mic a little bit. Uh, is this better? You don't have to put your mouth right up to it, but like, yeah. Well, we're talking about wieners, so. <laughs> and you don't need to deep throat the mic. Just like tease it. <laughs> okay, I'm going to try and find the wiener song while I'm doing that. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Any questions? Oh, wait, are we done? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what we, I learned. <laughs> you don't know what you learned? No, but. I'll edit this and then I'll learn it again. Ooh. Okay. Then there you go. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, and so. then I'll listen to it after that just to make sure it doesn't sound like shit, which who fucking knows? <laughs> okay, I got it. Paper straws are gross. You know, corporations are the main cause of pollution okay. in the world, right? Not fucking plastic straws that disabled people need to like drink. Okay guys, watch the video. I said that really mean to Kate, and you I didn't. Did. I didn't mean it mean to you. I didn't mean that's to. A, that's a. So it's about a little wiener who's sad who doesn't fit. It kind of looks like Veggie Tales, and that it makes does. me uncomfortable. Not yeah. a fan. Okay, but, but like we can't hear this, Amy. This isn't. We'll edit it. <laughs> no. <laughs> we. Will... I'm gonna have to cut all of this out. Yeah. Some may say that weenie is a bad thing to be called. When they hear someone say it, they are terribly appalled. But I'm of the opinion, 100%, that being called a weenie is the greatest compliment. Cause every one of us is a weenie. A weenie! A weenie is an awesome thing to be. Some of us are big, some are teeny. If 
you're feeling flustered, just add a little mustard. Oh, yeah. You can call us hot dogs, or you can call us Franks. You can call us anything, as long as you give thanks that every one of us is a weenie. A weenie is an awesome thing to be. Wait a minute, so you mean every one of us is a weenie? That's right! A weenie is an awesome thing to be. What about the girl in the bikini? <laughs> you may think I'm jesting, but her skin is pig intestine. <laughs> Weenies can be broiled or fried, or if you're really brave, wow. you can spend a couple minutes in the microwave. Come on. Every one of us is a weenie. A weenie, a weenie is an awesome thing to be. I don't know. All right. Feels like some All right. Okay. Shit going so on there. it's amazing <laughs> because it's made by Illumination Studios, which makes um, Despicable Me, the Despicable Me movies, and they are not American. So I feel like <laughs> there maybe was something lost in translation. They're a French studio. It's amazing. It's there's a whole five minute <laughs> song about how every one of us is a weenie. It's so <laughs> inspiring. <laughs> Guys, we're a little drunk. <laughs> Just a little. Do you guys have any questions for Just me? Just a wee bit. Um, well, we already discussed how we like our wieners. Yeah. Um, Did we? Oh, like, like grilled yeah. or pan yeah. fried. Yeah. None of that boiled shit. No steam. We steam them. Greg steams them. And you like them. I mean, they're fine. Mm. I would prefer, like, on the at least in the pan yeah. they like split open you to get a little crunch a so little char what is your what it so toppings i'm i'm a pure ketchup girl same but i need my bun grilled me too we oh, don't need i love me a look toast, i love a, gr- a toasted or grilled bun but like also don't have the patience for it so here's so i'm a mustard and ketchup girl mm-hmm. don't give me relish or Chopped up onions yeah, or that shit. chili or cheese. Don't you like sauerkraut? No. Oh, only on sauces? I'm anti-sauerkraut. All the way? Across the board. I thought you used to make sauerkraut. Fan. No. Greg mm-hmm. said you made it. No. Liar. Did you make it for your grandfather? <laughs> no. Never. <gasps> My whole perception of you is altered. Mm-mm. No sauerkraut. Um, Fried cabbage. Like, that's different. But no sauerkraut. Mm. Okay. Mm. Um, but but also like we don't have to do a deep dive into our hot dog preferences because we're like at an hour and a half. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was just asking. Okay. <laughs> well, but we're drunk, so technically this episode could go on forever. That's the good thing about it. No. <laughs> we want people to listen. We already discussed that Melissa is the good one at keeping us on. I'm task. trying, but I'm. You're doing a good job. Super drunk. We're doing better than last time. Yeah, yeah. We're under so we two hours, but we're gonna up. wrap it up. Yeah. Mm. So that's all we have we'll <laughs> for this posting, episode. We'll be posting a hot dog related recipe on the blog of some sort, and then I don't know if you guys have checked out the blog, but from the last episode. <laughs> I baked a Boston cream pie and royally fucked it up. <laughs> and I posted all the ways in which I fucked it up to the blog. Which I haven't read yet. I not either, so I will But I love it. Peruse. Yeah, it's great. It's and I love reading. you. 
So I'm probably gonna do that because I'm not a great cook. I'm probably gonna end up doing that well, for every recipe. It's I so funny because like you end up baking all the stuff, mm-hmm. but like I'm the baker. Yeah. Like I love baking, mm. but so, like I have a full time job, so I don't do yeah. it. And then you do it, and then you're like, I fucked it up. Not to say that I wouldn't fuck up Boston cream pie. I have no idea, but. I... I but, was I'm, a culinary major for a hot minute in college. Is you were like, thing? you were an everything major. Yeah, wow. I quit when I realized how fucking expensive knives are. Shit. Oh my god, are. I bought Greg um like a a super expensive steel like fancy Damascus knife, right? Because he wanted one. Come to find out, he also bought himself one at like the <laughs> same time, which was really fucking annoying. But mine's way nicer. Mm-hmm. But like we got him, and he's like the care. He's like, I can't cut tomatoes. I can't cut this. I can't cut that. You have to wash it, but then you have to dry it completely because it'll rust like what almost the fuck immediately. What's the point of that knife then? It's, you can't even use it. It's beautiful. It's so pretty. So is artwork. And it's all, it's like a cleaver. So like he can cut garlic and then like sweep all the garlic up in like one motion, which he's mm-hmm. really into. It's a very specific yeah. it is for someone who hates single-use items. He saw someone use it on Bon Appetit and was like, that's a cool fucking knife. So I bought him one and they bought one. It was the whole thing. What were we talking about? <laughs> we're wrapping it up. We're talking we're about going to the blog. Oh, yeah. So go to the blog because there'll be that recipe. That there's my How I Fucked It Up uh, blog post. Drink recipes. We'll have the drink recipe. We usually post the drink recipe the Wednesday after the podcast airs. Melissa's making a face at me. Off air. What? (laughs) Off air. Okay, there's drama brewing. It's not drama. It's fine. Break this shit up. It's fine. It's fine. I'll fucking kill you. No, it's fine. It's fine. Moving on. We post the recipe. There's two of those good knives, so at least you guys will be (laughs) able to. I'll use the one that he bought himself (laughs) because that one's not as good. I appreciate that. So I can tell you care about me. You give me the better knife. Yeah, I don't want to ruin the other one. <laughs> no, you each get one. Oh. Yeah. Fuck. Hmm. See, I thought you were being consistent. Well, I got, I, a, I got him another one for his birthday that he doesn't know about. Jesus. So. Oh, and this won't air until after his birthday. So. And he doesn't, won't listen. Oh, okay. So. That's true. You know, at least I listened to the first couple episodes of their little adventure. <laughs> little adventure. Well, I don't. I'm drunk. Moving on. Very dismissive. (laughs) It's very important, but I don't know if we should ever... I don't know. Moving on. (laughs) Fuck. I'm going to cut all of this out. (laughs) Anyways, goodbye. No, 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 no. Go to Instagram. Go to Twitter. Okay, go to Instagram and Twitter. uh, Like us, friend us, Facebook, whatever the fuck. Yes. And now we say bye. Bye. Bye.